Hare Krishna, uh, welcome to our Sunday Bhagavatam class. Today is, to the best of my knowledge, um, January 24th. I'm still in Pismo Beach, facing the ocean there. So today we are going to um, begin with Bhagavatam 1, 933. So, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, 1933, the verses we're going to do today are unusually poetic. They're very, they're very beautiful poetry. These, of course, are verses attributed to Bhishma, who's lying on the bed of arrows, and who began by teaching Yudhisthira all about political and social science related to uh, Yudhisthira's new service of governing the world. And uh, then Bhishma noticed that the time had come when he could leave this world, the Uttarayana, the sun had shifted its course, was now going to the north. And uh, Shantanu, Bhishma's father, had given him the blessing of Swachanda Mrityu. He could choose the moment of his death. And so now Bhishma, preparing to leave this world, is intensely focusing his mind just on Krishna. So uh, these are very beautiful verses. The first one today, 1933, is... Tribhuvana Kamanam Tamala Varnam Ravikara Goda Vada Ambarangatani Vapur Alaka Kula Bratan and Abjam Vijaya Sake Ratiras Tume and Avadya. So we'll start sort of with simple grammar here. The um, the the subject of this sentence, of the Sanskrit sentence, is ratir in the last line, which means attraction or love. And so, Bhishma is saying, ratir astu, may let my attraction be in, or let my attachment or love be in Krishna, who has all these characteristics. So interestingly, if you look at the last line, the last word of uh, this verse is anavadya. The first letter A is sort of dropped in the pronunciation, but it's still there grammatically. That's what that apostrophe means. It means an A, a short A was taken out just for the so that you so you could pronounce it easier. Mayanavadya. So vad in Sanskrit, look at the middle of that word, anavadya. Uh, vad means to speak. And uh, vadya, just the word vadya, means to be spoken. And then if you make that negative, anavadya, or uh, 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 
Wait one second. Badia means to be spoken. Oh, I okay, sorry. There's actually three things going on here. So Vadya means to be spoken. And then Avadya means not to be spoken. So the word Avadya, not to be spoken, is a way in Sanskrit of saying that something is bad. Like that's something that shouldn't even be talked about. It's so bad. Like don't even talk about that. So it's the same thing in Sanskrit. To say, one way to say that something is really bad is it is Avadya, unspeakable. That's the word in English. Like, for example, in English, you can say that was an unspeakable crime, which means it was so bad, you don't even want to talk about it. So it's the same in Sanskrit. Avadya means unspeakable, literally. And then unavadya means not unspeakable. In other words, there's nothing wrong with it. And so, so Bhishma is saying that us to means let there be, or let there be, let my attachment be in Krishna, and let that attachment be unavadya, free of anything unspeakable. In other words, free of fault, pure. It's just a way of saying, let's see how Prabhupada translates that, uh, without desire for fruitive results. So obviously, if you're attached to Krishna or attracted to Krishna, but you still want some fruitive result, that is a defect. That is a flaw. It is, an, so to speak, here in this language, an unspeakable. So that's literally what Bhishma says. Let me have, or let there be in me, uh, attachment to Vijaya Sake, attachment to Vijaya's friend. Vijaya, of course, means victory. And Vijaya Sake, Saka, Vijaya Saka means victory's friend. Vijaya is the name of Arjuna. So our, one of Arjuna's names or nicknames is victory. So uh, victory's friend is Krishna, Vijaya Saka. And so Vijaya Sake means in Arjuna's, in Arjuna's friend, which means Krishna. So uh, let their... Uh, let my attachment, let my flawless attachment, let my attachment that has nothing unspeakable about it, let it be in the friend of victory, the friend of Vijaya Arjun. In other words, let it be in Krishna. So, uh, the, uh, the last word in the second line is Dadhane. Dadhane. And Dadhane goes with the word uh, Vijaya Sake. It's another reference to Krishna. So in other words, Vijma is saying, let me have this pure attachment uh, in or love for Vijaya Saka, victory's friend, or Arjuna's friend, who Dadhane, who is sustaining or who is manifesting uh, Vapur, a body, which has all these characteristics. So basically, that's what Bhishma is saying. Let me have pure attachment uh, to Krishna, who is the friend of Arjuna, and who is manifesting a body. And the rest of the verse is just talking about the body that Krishna is manifesting. So it is a body which is vapur, is the actual word for body. Vapur also means a beautiful body, an attractive body. So attachment for Krishna, who is dadhane, 
who is manifesting or yeah, manifesting in this world a body, which is, now go back to the beginning of the verse, that body is Tribhuvana Kamanam. Uh, that body is, Prabhupada says, most desirable, Kamanam, you know the word Kama means desire, Kanta means desired, like Krishna is called Radha Kanta or Gopi Kanta, so Kanta means desired and Kama means desire. Here you have a Another form of that word, kamanam. Prabhupada translates it, most desirable. So, let me have pure attachment to Krishna, who is manifesting a body which is most desirable for the three worlds. In other words, all the universe. Tribhuvana kamanam, a body which is tamala varnam. Varnam means color. Tamala means the color of the tamal tree. Tamala Krishna. Uh dark like the tamal tree. So here, tamala varnam, tamala colored, his body. His body, which is, which has ambaram, if you look at the second line, has ambaram, has a dress or clothes, uh, which are uh, vada, excellent clothes, uh, which are goda, uh, light colored, yellow or white or golden, like Goranga, light-colored, like Ravikara, like the moon rays. So, uh, I'm sorry, sun rays. <laughs> sorry, mental lapse there. Sun rays, Ravikara. The word kara literally means hand here. Like, um, it's a poetic image, like Tavakara Kamala. And Tavakara, your hands uh, in the prayer of Lord and Sangadev. Kara. Kara comes from the Sanskrit root to do or to make. So Kara literally means the maker because the hands, you know, the hands do everything. And so the word doer, Kara, or doing, uh, comes to mean hand also in Sanskrit. And then Ravikara, poetically, the sun's rays are called the sun's hands. The sun is extending its hands into our world. So it's a poetic image. So Ravikara Goda Vara Ambaram. Dadhane Vapur. So that body. And there's one, then there's a third description of that body that Krishna is manifesting, which is Alaka Kula Bratan and Ajam. that body, which has, uh, let's start at the at the right end, at the end of that compound. That's one big compound. Compound, you can tell it's connected by hyphens. So abja means lotus, the last word in that compound. Abja, uh, ab, up means water, and ja born. So water born is a name for lotus. Uh, water born, abja. And uh, another word for water is ampas. So ampoja also means lotus, waterborne. Jalaja. There are various words for water, and jalaja also lotus, waterborne. So abjam. So the lotus, anana of his face. In English, we always say lotus face. In Sanskrit, as I've mentioned, they say face lotus. Or we say lotus feet. Is in Vande Guru Sri Charanada Vinda. So Charanada Vinda 
we say lotus feet. The Sanskrit actually says foot lotus. So it's it talks about the lotus, which is the feet. Anyway, so Krishna's body has the lotus of a face, anana. Anana means face. Uh, which is avrata covered by alaka kula. Uh, Prabhupada translates it as paint, covered with paintings of sandalwood pulp. Uh, the word kula actually means curls, like curling hair. And so, and alaka means hair. So, uh, literally, it means that Krishna has this sort of this curling hair uh, surrounding his face. Um, so, vapur alaka kulabratana nabjam. So, that's the verse. So, the verse basically, uh, the simple structure of this verse is, Bhishma says, let my pure, in other words, free of anything unspeakable, let my pure attachment be in Krishna, who is the friend of Arjuna, of victory, and Dadhane, last word in the second line, who is maintaining Vapur, a body, which has all these characteristics. So that's the simple structure of this Sanskrit verse. So uh, I'll go to the next verse. Again, very poetic. Yuti Tudagara Jovi Dhumra Vishwa Kachalulita Samavarya Lankritasye Mama Nishita Sharar Vividya Mana Tachi Vila Satkavache Stu Krishna Atma. So this verse um, is really not a new sentence. This is a continuation of the previous verse. So it's a very, very, very long Sanskrit sentence because uh, no, actually, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it is another sentence. Sorry. But it has it has the exact same structure. Just like in the uh, in the previous verse, the last line said, uh, "Let my mind astu may or rati let my attraction be astu means let it be in Krishna." So this is actually another sentence, but it it has it has a very similar structure, grammatical structure, because the last line again has the word astu, and so just as in the previous verse, Bhishma said, "Let my mind be in Krishna." who does all these things, who was a friend of Arjuna, who is maintaining a body that has all these characteristics. So here in the last line, Bhishma says, let my soul, let my soul, Atma, Prabhupada translates it mind, let my soul or let my mind, and Krishna there means is Krishna, let my mind or soul be in Krishna, again, who has all these characteristics. So in terms of the simple grammar of this very complex poetic Sanskrit sentence, the basic grammar is very simple. Let my atma, soul or mind, let my atma be in Krishna. 
that's the subject, the verb of the sentence. Let my Atma be in Krishna. The last three words of the sentence. But in Krishna, who has all these characteristics? So now, if we look at the first line, Yudhi, which means on the battlefield, in the fight, in the battle, Tudagara Jovi Dumana Vishwa Kacha Lulita Shamavari Lankratasye. So again, as Bhisma is saying, let my Atma, myself, my very self, my soul, or my mind, be in Krishna, who, on the battlefield, uh, his Asya, again, his face, was Alankrita. Asya is the, or Asye means Krishna, in, let myself be in Krishna, in whose face, uh, that's the second line, end of the second line, was Alankrita. It was decorated with Shamavari. Literally, Shamavari means like labor water, which that's how you say perspiration in Sanskrit. Shrama means like hard work and vari, uh, water. So uh, sort of like labor water. It's just, that's how you say perspiration. It's one of the ways you can say perspiration, shamavari. So in, let me be, my atma being Krishna, whose face was decorated with perspiration and uh, tudagara jovi dhumra, who's uh, from the dust of the horses, tudaga literally means fast going and it's a word for horse. Tudaga. So Tudagata Jo Rajo means passion, but it also means dust. Because in other words, the Rajoguna, the mode of passion, is sort of like the dusty mode. Because when there's dust, you can't see clearly. I mean, when there's dust, you can see, but not very clearly. Whereas Tamas, Tamoguna, Tamas just means darkness, where you you just can't see. So the Tamoguna means you just can't see. The Rajoguna the mode of passion literally means the dusty mode where you can sort of see, but not very clearly. So, Tudagata Jovi Dumra, Krishna's hair was turned an ashen or smoky color by the dust of the horses and also Krishna's face, Vishwak. Vishwa means the universe. It sort of means in all directions also. Like, for example... Uh, in chapter 11 of the Gita, the universal form is called Vishwato Mukam. In other words, he's facing all directions. So Vishwa, universe, in, but also it has a sense of just going everywhere. In other words, spreading, spreading in all directions. So here, Vishwa, as Prabhupada translates it, uh, waving. In other words, Krishna's hair, because he was on the battlefield, the chariot was going quickly. His, his hair was just sort of waving in all directions. It's a very beautiful scene. Vishwa Kacha. Kacha means hair. And uh, Lulita uh, scattered. His hair was just, uh, so So his hair is, you know, because, you know, Krishna had hair. It was pretty long. I mean, probably, you know, there's different pictures of Krishna. We don't really get a description of exactly did his hair come to his shoulders or his hair or where, but, but Krishna has hair, beautiful hair. It's curling, he's on a horse, he's on a chariot, he's riding around the battlefield, so the hair is sort of 
you know, going in different directions and it's all scattered Lulita. And so it's very beautiful. It's a very beautiful scene. Uh, actually, sometimes when they take like pictures of movie stars, they like, they put perspiration on their face and have their hair all scattered. It's supposed to look like, I don't know, sexy or supposed to look, you know, hands, you know, it's supposed to look good. So it's interesting because that idea that that like a, a very beautiful person, a very handsome person, when there's some perspiration and their hair is scattered, it kind of it's an interesting way to look at them. That's even in the Bhagavatam. It's not only Hollywood headshots uh, or movies, but it's it's right there in the Bhagavatam. So that's what's really saying that Krishna looked very beautiful in that way because he's in the middle of a battle. Yudhi Turaga Rajovi Dhumra Vishva Katsalulita Shamavari Lankratasya. So Mama Nishita Sharai Vidyamana Tachi. And let my Atma again, same simple sentence, let my Atma, let myself, my mind be in Krishna, uh whose uh, Twachi means whose skin Vividyamana was being pierced, Mama Nishita Sharai, by my sharp arrows. Sharai means by arrows, Nishita, sharp, Mama, my, by my sharp arrows. So Krishna was playing the part of a human being, even though he has an eternal spiritual body, he was, I mean, he can have his body do whatever he wants, obviously. So because he was playing the part of a human being, he was letting the arrows actually appear to pierce his skin. On the battlefield. Mama Nishita Sharai Vibhidya. Vibhidyamana means being pierced. Twachi. Krishna who's Vila Satkavache. And who Krishna who had shining armor. Shining armor. Vila Sat. Uh, Prabhupada translates it enjoying pleasure. One second, let me just make sure this. Uh, let me see. Um, it's going to just take one second. I have a little Sanskrit dictionary here. And the word Vila Sat. Means flashing, shining, glittering. So that's that's what I thought I meant. So uh, Prabhupada translates it enjoying pleasure because there's there's another word from the same root, vilasa, which means pleasure, like pastimes. So you could take it that way also. It's not it's not I mean you can also see it that way. But in this context, uh the literal sense would be Vila Satkavache, his shining armor. Krishna had shining armor, a knight in shining armor, right? So again, Arjuna, uh, I mean, Bhishma says, let my Atma, let myself, us two, let it be, Krishna, in Krishna, who has all these, Krishna who on the battlefield, uh, his face was decorated by the perspiration, by perspiration and by and by the scattering of his waving hair. Uh, and his face, which and his hair, which was made ashen or, or like smoke colored uh, by the dust of the horses on the battlefield. Krishna, whose skin was being pierced by my sharp arrows and who had shining armor. So that's literally what Bhishma is saying here.
So, uh, go to the next verse. And if you have questions, I, I think they come in directly now to the comments section. So we'll do one more verse. Do one more of these long verses. Sapati saki vachoni shamyama dye nija parayor balayor ratam nivesha stitavati parasaini kayur aksna hritavati partasake rati ramastu. So very interesting. Um, so again, this verse has the exact same structure. Remember that in Verse uh, 33, uh, uh, Bhishma said, uh, let my attraction or attachment or love be in Krishna who has all these characteristics. Then in the next verse, he said, let myself, let my soul, let my mind be in Krishna who has all these characteristics. And now in verse 35, he again returns to the word rati, ratir mamastu, ratir, attachment, mama, my, us to let it be in Krishna who has all these characteristics. So we have these three verses that have the same structure. All these three verses end with let my attachment or love be in Krishna. Let my twice we get that. And once we get let my soul or my mind be in Krishna. So again, in the, in this verse, 1935, the last three words are the basic grammar of the sentence. Let my love, attachment, us to, let it be. The mama means my, and then uh, in Krishna. So Krishna who, sapadi, uh, translated here in the battlefield, uh, literally it means actually immediately. Immediately. Uh, it means at once, sapadi. Uh, let's see. At least in the Sanskrit dictionary, sapadi means the same instant, on the spot. So if you say on the spot, then Prabhupada's correct, uh, translation is correct, on the battlefield. But but the original sense of the word is at the same instant, at once, immediately, quickly, in the sense of, because pada can mean place, pada is foot, so the, where your foot is is where you are. So that therefore pada or pada can mean place, and sapadi means right there, right on the spot, immediately. So sapadi saki vicho nishamya. Uh, so nishamya, hearing, after hearing saki vicho, the words of his friend. Saki is friend and vicho means the words or the, the statement. After hearing the words, after hearing the statement, Prabhupada translates it here. The command of the friend Vacha, uh, or Vak, we have words in English still from the Sanskrit like vocal. Vocal is just from Sanskrit Vak. So, and in here, Vacho, so Saki Vacho Nishamya, after hearing the words, the statement, or Prabhupada says the command of his friend, uh, Madhye in the middle, Nija Pariyor, of his own and the others. In other words, in the middle of his own troops, his own army, Padayo and the enemy army, the other army or the enemy army, Nija Padayo, Balayo of the two armies. It's just like we say in English, armed forces. So they say this in Sanskrit, Bala means strength or force. And so uh, it can mean an army. Like we say the forces, 
uh, like like the American forces or the French forces. So in Sanskrit, they do that also with the word bala, force or strength. So madhye in the middle, nija parayor balayor, in the middle of our own and the opposing forces, balayor, ratanivesha, situating the chariot, sthitavati, and then like well situated, firmly fixed there, Parasaini Kayur Aksna Hritavati and taking away Hritavati, taking away Aksna by his glance, by just by his eyes, by his glance. Prabhupada says by looking over Hritavati taking away Ayur, the duration of life, the life. You know, Ayurveda, Ayurveda means knowledge of life, of the duration of life, how to prolong the duration of one's life. That's Ayurveda. So Ayur means duration of life. And so Krishna Hritavati, cutting off their lives, taking away their lives, Akshna, just by his glance, uh, taking away the lives of Parasainika, the opposing army, the enemy army. The word Para, uh, it's very interesting. It can mean supreme like Parangdhamma, or another form, para or parama, paramatma, the supreme soul. But para, it's interesting how it can also mean enemy. There's a logical path to get there. Because para also means the other, atma para, or nija para, one's own and the other. So the spiritual world is called parangdhamma because it is the other or beyond it is it is it is that which is other than the world we know it is the other world in that sense the world beyond beyond what we know beyond what we experience so in that sense parangdhamma the uh, paraloka the world beyond or the supreme world but because it means the other that which is not what you know that is not it can also mean like one's own and then the other in the sense of that which is not with you, that which is not part of you, that which is the enemy. So it can also mean the enemy in the sense of the other. So that's the sense we have here twice in this verse, nija parayor. Nija means one's own. And um, so uh, Arjuna, Krishna, placing the chariot, Ratham, uh, Madhye in the middle, the middle, Madhye of uh, the two forces, Balayor means the two forces, our own and the enemy or the other. And Stitavati uh, firmly fixed there, Parasainika. And so the Ayur, the duration of life of the Parasainika, the other army, in the sense of the enemy army, the duration of life, uh, Akshna, just by his glance, Hritavati, he took away. Parthasake. The friend of Parata, Ratir Mamastu. So again, a simple sentence, let my attachment, love be in Parthasake. These are, I won't go into all the grammar here. Parthasake, the friend of Parata, who took away by his glance uh, the Ayur, duration of life of the opposing army, 
firmly fixed there, Nivesha having placed the chariot, Madhye, in the middle of the two forces, uh, his own and the enemy. And he, and Krishna did this. He placed the chariot there, Nishamya, after hearing Sakivacho, the words of the command of his friend, Sapadi, and he did it at once. He did it right on the spot. So, it's actually pretty simple once you break it all down. So that is 1935. And now let's see if there are any questions. Um, let's see. So thank you for all your comments. Okay, here's a question from Radhe Sham. Goodness and ignorance sometimes used as goodness and badness. Is there any difference between badness and ignorance? Uh, well, ignorant people tend to do the wrong thing because they don't know what they're doing. For example, the animals or innocent people may unwittingly do bad things, but... Uh, because of ignorance. There's a difference between, let's say, in one situation, just being innocent, not knowing what you're supposed to do. That's not the same as someone who has cultivated the mode of ignorance. Someone may not be in the mode of ignorance, but in a particular situation, they may just not understand what they're supposed to do. That's innocent. But if someone uh, in this life and previous lives has cultivated ignorance, darkness, and therefore doesn't understand, then, of course, they're responsible. People may know that sinful activities are bad, but because of badness, do it anyway. Yes, I mean, there are many verses like that about devotees lamenting like that. Uh, so uh, if one is actively praying and practicing spiritual life and trying to overcome their bad habits, then that's sincerity committing sin on the strength of chanting, if one thinks, okay, I have bad habits, but it's not a problem, that's not good. But if you're doing your best, then that's, that is good. So uh, someone said, good morning, Pandava. So good morning to you. Let's see. Uh, Nimai. So I'll translate from Spanish. In Vedic culture, everyone talks... Oh, does, does everyone speak that way poetically and in prose or is just just the way that the Sanskrit is written? Uh, people did, yeah, people in, 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 uh, in this Sanskrit-speaking culture didn't just all speak poetry. We know that because if you read Mahavarata or even Bhagavatam or other books, uh, sometimes they really just talk. They're not in other words, it's not a poeticizing, it's not giving, a, like, like explaining things poetically, but it's just real, it's, it's just, you can tell that. And, and when they do that, when they speak without trying to be poetic, they basically speak the way we do. There's always one verse somehow stuck in my mind when, in the Mahabharata, when uh, uh, the Pandavas had just escaped the, the burning house of lack and they, you know, they were obviously in great anxiety because uh, they had a whole, all this army. I mean, if they were seen anywhere, they would be killed. 
They were very young still, so they were racing through the forest. Bemo was carrying them, and they finally stopped. They, they just couldn't go any farther. They were exhausted, and they rested in this forest. And then uh, they all fell asleep. And when they woke up, when our, uh, they found that Bemo was engaged in this, I guess you could say somewhat recreational for him, fight to the death with the uh, this great Rakshasa, who was Hidimba. And Arjun noticed that Bhima is rather than just killing Hidimba, who was trying to kill the Pandavas and eat them, actually, which is very gross. He uh, Bhima was just kind of, you know, sporting. He, he didn't want to kill him too soon because he was enjoying the fight. So when Arjun saw this, he, he, Arjun spoke. And I thought that was really interesting because one of those ways where kind of real speech, the way people really spoke, kind of breaks through all the poetry and Arjun, he just said, Ma Krita, which means like, don't play, don't play around. Uh, uh, he said, Tadaswa, hurry up, you know, just hurry up, don't play around, just kill him. And it was, uh, I remember reading that Sanskrit and thinking that's exactly the way we talk. So, yes, when you see people not speaking poetically, but really just talking, uh, they actually speak in a way which is very similar to the way we speak. So Gary Stevenson, that's the way you pronounce it. Anavadya conveys, oh, oh, that's not a question. Oh, thank you for that. I'm sorry, that's not a question. Uh, so uh, Krishna Vijaya Das, what is the literal meaning of Janardana? Well, Jana means the people. Uh, from which we get the English words like gent, gentry, gentile, which means people. Uh, from the Sanskrit dictionary, ardana, uh, it's given as uh, jana ardana, which means inspiring people, inspiring the people. Uh, Ardana means, uh, it can also mean destroying, Ardana, disturbing or destroying. So uh, Janardana can mean Krishna who ultimately has complete control over everyone, although he allows us free will, Janardana. So, um, So from Natalie Santos, uh, all the souls around Krishna are the same every time he comes. Uh, that's not really stated, but um, if it's exactly the same, I mean, Krishna, if you consider that there are innumerable universes and Krishna appears in all of them, you can understand that there are a lot of, you know, acting roles available. Um, a lot of, and so, uh, and Krishna has unlimited devotees and they come with him to different universes. And uh, there could be certain basic pastimes. It's, it's something we know that actually in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, we have a hint because it states there that Krishna's pastimes are like the sun rising and setting, that the sun is, 
for example, a little while ago, the sun rose here about uh, 40 minutes ago here in uh, Pismo Beach, California. And, uh, and right now the sun is rising. I mean, it hasn't risen yet in, for example, in Hawaii. It's, it's in Hawaii, it's only um, about quarter to five in the morning. So the sun hasn't risen yet in Hawaii. So somewhere between uh, California coast and Hawaii, the sun is rising right now. So, um, so in that sense, it's the same sun. So if we take that analogy seriously, then yes, we do have some basic pastimes, but I'm sure that Krishna, uh, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. If it did have to be exactly the same, even Prabhupada, I mean, even in the Acharyas, when Prabhupada is recounting Krishna Leela and like Krishna said this or Arjuna said that, and he'll give different versions of it. Same story, but he, he won't say it exactly the same way. So, uh even ourselves i mean you know we do the, for example let's say a soccer team plays a certain way but every game is different and yet they're all they're still playing soccer it's the same team so we can we can assume that there's some variety i think that would be much more interesting for the uh participants so pandavadas verse 34 describes krishna as perspiring due to his activity on the battlefield, is he working really hard to steer the horses? Does a charioteer do more than just drive? Um, of course, this is Krishna pastime. Uh, being a charioteer is a demanding job. It's a demanding job. Interestingly, the same word, and this is something that scholars talk about, the same word means charioteer, sutta, and also means one who recites the shastra, like sutta Goswami in the Bhagavatam. So if you think about it, the charioteer is the one person who, who knew everything that his heroic lord did. So let's say a king is on the battlefield, and then, of course, naturally people are going to talk about what the king did or even the supreme king, Krishna. So who has the best knowledge of what a warrior did? It's his charioteer. And so interestingly, you know, so the charioteer, we can understand, would then tell everybody exactly what happened because no one else knows. On a battlefield, even let's say you're fighting on a battle and you're near the leader, Krishna or a king. I mean, it's just the nature of battle, which you see very clearly in the, in the, in the Mahabharata, that you can't always stay next to somebody. People are separated from each other or they're attacked by someone else, and they've got to go face that, and they come back. And so the only person that knows everything a warrior did is the charioteer. And so the charioteer apparently also would have that service of telling everybody. And so you have the tradition, perhaps, of charioteers uh, reciting stories of, of great heroes. But yes, a char I mean, to be a charioteer, for one thing, a strategy, you have to have an absolutely perfect command of the horses. Because let's say someone's coming at you, you need to turn to face that person. And let's say the charioteer can't quite get the horses to turn the right way or on time. Basically, the warrior will die. <laughs> so if your charioteer doesn't, you know, it's like, let, let, let's say, imagine uh, your, let's say, a battle, like you always see in, in movies, uh, these car chase scenes where, you know, one car is chasing another car, a bunch of cars, they're shooting at each other. So if 
a person, one of these car chases, loses control of the car, they crash or they can't maneuver to avoid being killed by the other person. So sort of the modern equivalent of the charioteer is the people that drive these cars in Hollywood movies, these car chase scenes. So imagine, you know, it takes a lot of skill. Of course, in Hollywood, you know, they do things that are actually impossible. But so the charioteer, first of all, he had to have absolute control of the horses, which in a battlefield is not easy. Because the horses are people. They get very excited. They get disturbed. They, they, they're frightened. And so in the midst of a battle where lots of other horses are being killed and people are being killed and to keep complete control of the horses, not an easy job. And uh, so uh, it requires great courage. It requires all kinds of qualities uh, to be a charioteer. So is it an easy job? Uh, no. Does he do more than just drive? Sometimes he talks to, it's just like in golf, to give an example, the caddy, the person that carries the golf club, sometimes he advises, you know, a famous golfer, no, I think you should use this club here. And so I'm sure the charioteers also said like, you know, we need to get out of here now, or we need to attack that because they were experts in war. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they lived in battles. They knew a lot about battles, so they would advise uh, their their lords in terms of what's the best weapon here. We need to get out of this place right now, or we need to go over there. We need to attack that person. Not that the charioteer was in charge in any sense, but clearly there was a conversation. And you see that even in Mahabharata. Uh, what would be the proper use of Tamoguna? <laughs> Proper use is to throw it out the window. Uh, so that's what I, that's Octavian uh, Patrasco. Yeah, I would say get rid of it. Uh, so thank you for all your comments. I'm not reading all the comments, but I appreciate them. Uh, let's see. Our eternal service in the spiritual world to Krishna, in our eternal. This is uh, Alexandre Vira. Uh, in our eternal service in the spiritual world to Krishna, can we change functions? For example, can someone who serves Krishna Vaikuntha be promoted to Goloka Vrindavan? Uh, Vaikuntha means no anxiety. And so if there are all these rules like, okay, I want to do this, but I can't because against the rules, then it wouldn't be Vaikuntha. So in the spiritual world, people have complete freedom. And, uh, but of course, their desire is to serve Krishna. So yes, if you want to serve Krishna in a particular way, I can't imagine some bureaucracy getting in the way of love of Krishna. So from Krishna West, what service should a devotee prioritize the most, prioritize the most needed or the one that personally inspires or aligns more with one's nature? Ah, Simple. You have to, first of all, know your nature, because if you don't know your nature, you're not going to know what your duty is. Krishna clearly says in the Gita that your duty is born of your nature. It's very dangerous to do another's duty. And so in order to protect yourself, in order to be safe in devotional service, you have to have a certain amount of self-knowledge. And uh, so I would say among the services that are possible for you, what is most valuable 
to the mission. For example, uh, I could say, well, if I became a, a famous professional football player, uh, you know, I could make a lot of money for the movement. But uh, given my situation, I am not going to become a professional football player. Or, I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not going to do in this world because it's just not my nature. So we follow our nature. We follow our nature. But then you have to ask the right question. Among the services that are possible for me, because it sort of fits my nature and uh, I can just physically and mentally do it, what would be most valuable for Prabhupada's mission? So that's the right question. So, uh, Chaitanya Marita, did Krishna intend all events and characters of the scriptures to be great metaphors to teach us something in our life now? What does Krishna as a charioteer mean for us exactly? Well, as we know, it's real history, but history teaches great lessons. That's why we study it. We learn great lessons from history. So Arjuna is a charioteer. What does he mean? First of all, uh, you mean Krishna as Arjuna's charioteer. Uh, if we look at Arjuna, if we should let Krishna guide us. We should let Krishna be our charioteer. The word for chariot in Sanskrit is ratta. And there are many ancient metaphors, Vedic metaphors where it said uh, uh, that actually the body is a car it's a vehicle, it's a chariot so just as Arjuna was on the chariot we are in the rata, the chariot or the vehicle of the body and just as Arjuna guided Arjuna was his chariot driver and guide Krishna is in our heart and we should let Krishna guide us and we should use our bodies according to Krishna's directions and just as Arjuna had to fight we have to fight against illusion. Arjuna was fighting for justice. We have to fight to spread the Sankirtan movement. So yes, history is powerful precisely because it teaches us so much about what we should and should not do. So coming near the end here, let's see. Uh, Octavian Petrasca, Arjuna, killing on the battlefield. Is it not Tamas? No, it's transcendental. Because killing on the battlefield is doing your duty and doing your duty and defending justice and obeying Krishna is never ignorance. Killing is not ignorance. Uh, killing inappropriately is ignorance. So, a letter in Italian. Okay. Secondo la legge di karma, si una persona in questa vita subisce una violenza sessuale Vuol dire che in passato quella persona ha fatto la medesimazione. Okay, from Stefano. Uh, Stefano, this question. According to the law of karma, if a person in this life suffers uh, sexual violence, uh, does that mean that in, a, in the past uh, that person has done the same action? Something's going on there. I mean, I mean, you could say, I mean, if, I mean, of course, we don't want anyone to suffer in that way, but if someone does suffer in that way, does that mean that person did the exact same thing or did they do something similar or did they do something which somehow produced that karma? Uh, 
that's something which really the Shastra doesn't talk, don't talk about that much. We know that the person did something that somehow brought on that reaction. Was it exactly the same act or was it a similar act? It's, um, I don't want to, uh, pretend to know what I don't know because it's not in Shastra. So basically it's a reciprocation. Basically it's a reaction based on what a soul deserves, uh, the extent to which it's precisely the same action. Uh, is an open question. Oh. From Natalie Santa, I think the comment before was a question, what is the right way to use the words tamoguna? Oh, that's become an expression inside the movement. That's unfortunate. Um, so, Tamoguna has a specific meaning, which we find in Bhagavad Gita. It has uh, means actions or things or food with certain characteristics. Uh, and so we should use the word Tamoguna in ways that agree with the Bhagavad Gita. So that's it. Thank you all very much. Thank you all for watching, for uh, encouraging. See so many nice devotees here. And uh, hope we'll hope we'll all be together again next Sunday. Everyone, take care of yourself and take care of others. That's what they say: take care of yourselves and take care of others, in in a way that allows you to take care of yourself. Hare Krishna.